There's a man of vengeance in the sky, for it is the Batman! Welcome everyone to Need More Info for your Batman Review, a podcast of movies, video games and TV shows hosted by myself, Nate, and lovely other guest hosts each week. We thought we'd change up the intro this week because, you know, shock, surprise, looming new things in the darkness, just like the movie review we're doing today. Uh, how's everybody's weekend been so far, it's, uh, especially after the long movie, which is The Batman? Yeah, good. Um, as I spent most of Saturday watching The Batman. Uh, and Sunday has been pleasantly playing visual novels and eating cheese. So here we are. Lots of cheese. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, pretty much just chilled out this weekend after watching the Batman, which uh, which we'll get into. Which is, uh, but yeah, just chilled out, play games, watching board events, despairing. Yeah, you know, it's been a it's been, it's been a fun time. Uh, you know, in the world, but like, uh, you know, just kind of getting on with things at the moment. I can say just before we get into the view, I have restarted playing Cyberpunk, Jordan. I was yes. telling the other guys. So, yes, do it. Yeah, it's the best figured, game. <laughs> yeah, I figured with um, yeah, I've just met Judy um again. Uh, so that's oh, where nice. I'm currently at. Yeah, uh, but yes, people. So obviously, you know, with the Batman entering the world, this massive, like, long film. Which, by the way, we need to have intervals back in cinemas. Like, they have them in Broadway, they have them in theatre, there needs to be, like, breaks in cinema films over two and a half, three hours now. There just needs to be. Because, as James will make the joke later on, I'm going to catch him off guard now, he's the only person that saw this film through the entirety, because the rest of us had to leave uh, parts of the film. Me and uh, Fergus only left the once, though. <laughs> yeah, we also got a week better whatever i don't care but yes people you know with the batman out this week the ratings for this movie are interestingly over the place um metacritic is from the critics have given it a 72 uh user score is an 8.5 on rotten tomatoes it's 85 percent on critics and a 90 percent from the audience mm. we'll get into our rating at the end of this uh discussion but just to make people aware initially though we will be doing an initial review of the Batman and giving a rating. So afterwards, if you'd like to go away, if you haven't seen the Batman yet, you can do. Because we will then be going into spoiler talk. And there's a lot to talk about in this film, to be honest. That does require having to speak about the plot points in the movie. But just go and buy the actual Iron First Impressions ourselves. Uh, how, do, how do we feel about it? Um, it's a very different sort of Batman to the previous trilogy. It, it, it probably quite different to any other Batman films that I've seen. Certainly, uh, it's very much more detect, sort of long drawn out detective orientated. But I mean, you're not. Yeah, I don't know. It was an okay detective thing, and also an okay Batman thing. But it wasn't really mm, a, a bit mid on both fronts. I think from me. Interesting. Yeah, I, I kind of, I'm kind of with you there, a little bit, uh, there, Fergus. In that, uh, it, 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 it's hard to live up to something as good as the Dark Knight trilogy, but I really liked the fact that they were trying to do the detective side of things because that's really what Batman is. 
in my opinion. Like, he, he is a detective that wears a costume. And it felt really out of place when there was any, like, crazy action in the film compared to the seriousness that they had with the uh, with the with the detective side of things. But I actually really, really enjoyed this film, despite it not being quite what I expected or being, like, you know, 10 out of 10 good, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, so my perspective, I loved it. I thought Batman was great. Um, if I was to compare it to the Nolan films, which I don't think is necessarily fair to do because they have very different films, but I would say that if I had to, I would say I, I prefer the Nolan films because what Nolan gets right about doing a dark a dark film is that he also has a lot of levity. He has jokes as, and, and moments of humour and he's able to break that, that, that darkness, which really does help and makes those, makes those Dark Knight trilogy really entertaining. Uh, Matt Reese's film, much darker, much grittier, and it's pretty much that tone the whole way through. However, the film and the aesthetic uh, throughout the film, I thought it brought a breath of fresh air in terms of the Batman films, completely different to anything else we've seen on, on that perspective, and I think it worked really, really well. On that point, I read somewhere earlier that this film is not an IMAX film, which I was kind of shocked about. At least I'm pretty sure I read that. They don't use IMAX cameras on this film. Interesting. But uh, no, you're absolutely right, uh, James. Like the the cinematographer, the site cinematography is absolutely stunning in this film. And I loved every like shot in the film. It was just so perfectly constructed. And coming from like a film background, for me, it was just like it was just chef's kiss to watch the whole thing and be like, this is so nice and moody and dark and scary in places and they really set the scene perfectly without having to do tons of dialogue all the time mm. no um that's interesting i actually did read somewhere it might have been an imax film but if it wasn't definitely it definitely should be to be honest so like from my from my perspective this film gets a ton right with what i've been wanting for ages i i love the fact that it is primarily a detective film. It it does feel it does start to feel like a much more noir based film, uh, especially shots wise. Um, well, most of the shots. We'll get to that in a little bit. Um, I f- I definitely think um, the casting is perfect for this film, in my opinion. Like, obviously, people need to realize this is like year two Batman, so you know he's not going to be perfect. He's going to be rough. He's going to be making a ton of mistakes. And what I liked about this film was is that. Um, even as the detective, we'll get into spoilers later, but he isn't a perfect detective, including some of the other cast in this movie. They are not great, perfect detectives at this point, and he's not the perfect fighter as well. Still, he is an amazing fighter, but he's still getting better. I would say, you know, um, for me, I because the Nolan films are interesting because I, I really like Batman Begins. I think The Dark Knight is only mainly great because of the performance of Heath Ledger, in my opinion. Like, you know... Batman is good in that film. Two-Face is good as well, but he fledges what brings it up in The Dark Knight Rises. I'm still annoyed by the ending of that film, to be honest, how they just sort of ended on a, like a pseudo cliffhanger. Uh, the whole Robin aspect I hated. Uh, and Bane, the voice decision was bad. But yeah, in this film, though, I'd actually put this, I'd actually put this just behind uh, Batman Begins for me. And actually, I'd actually put above The Dark Knight myself. I'm not going to lie. And he, I have to take into context that certain characters, though they can make a film, I think this incom- the accompaniment of what I like about this film, I actually do put it above that, and people are probably going to hate me for that, but yeah. Above Dark Knight Rises, I actually like Bane's voice. 
Uh, and, and I didn't mind the ending too much. What annoys me about the film, about that film, is just the really bad um, logic that happens. Like sending your all the cops into the sewers. That, that to me, that was the one thing with Dark Knight Rises that makes absolutely no sense. And kind of like um, it's you know decisions like that which frustrate me through, through through that film. That's what frustrates me. But in terms of flipping that down to the Batman. I felt the internal logic of the film was solid throughout. So that's one of the things which Batman did a lot better than The Dark Knight Rises, for instance. Yeah, speaking of um, of weird logic, one of the things I also quite liked about this movie is the fact that um, whenever Robert Pattinson doesn't have his mask on, but he's like just taking it off, he actually still has the paint on his face. And I was reading earlier, like the trivia of this movie and apparently like every single other batman film whenever they take their mask off they've got the eye makeup on but like in the film they, like it just disappears when they take the hood off but this was like the first time they've actually done that and then you you see that he's got the paint on his face so i thought it was pretty interesting <laughs> yeah i was gonna say that matt reeves was one who specifically required that to be on so in the film like when he takes the mask off like it's just smearing sweat down his face and you could tell he just had a hard time out there and i tell you people like you know this film is very much a comic book movie from the get-go like the first 20 minutes of this film is very comic book-esque you know don't go into this film expecting like you know tons and tons and tons and tons of action like i'd say there are maybe four three or four big set pieces of the entire three hour three hour film and there are sections that does slow down quite a bit to just have long discussions yeah speaking of the fight scenes i was thinking like i think what this movie has done really well is because they've had so little fight scenes all of them are then really memorable i can think of like you know thinking about like the nolan movies and all the action they have it's like there's like key sections but like batman's basically fighting like all the time whereas in this there's like you say there's only like a few fights and because of that it's like i remember everything that happens i think a key thing there is as well is when in the nolan films because we'll get into this a little bit people robert patterson in this film is more batman than bruce wayne in this film so like he's being his true self in this movie like you are seeing batman being the detective more you are seeing him out more investigating and and it's not just Batman in the costume, it's just Batman in himself as well. He, he, he is who he wants to be. And I think with the Nolan movies, because of those big fight scenes and everything, it's when he becomes Batman in those films that the fight scenes happen. Whereas in this film, he's more Batman primarily. But then you see the, the, the big aspect, the different aspects of this character. Uh, one thing I can say is, people, you do not see the Wayne's murder again. That I know Matt Reeves did specify that he didn't want to see that in his film in in these films. So that's been known before this film. So it's not a spoiler. It's like we've seen the Wayne's murder since the eighties. Now we don't need to see it again. I did find this kind of problematic, actually. Like dropping in where it did with an assumed backstory that everyone is supposed to know. Like trying to keep track of which villain was who. And who was supposed to have gone to jail and all this kind of stuff. <sighs> I don't know. It, I, I felt like I was trying to catch up with a film that obviously doesn't exist to get into this film. Yeah, I mean, so going going off like, you know, rounding out like our main, main, main thoughts are like, you know, I, I do think Robert Pattinson, everyone needs to shut up about him as, as, as Twilight, Batman, Twilight Batman now. Like he's pretty much come out and gone, no. I will beat the living shit out of you. But also, 
investigate it very thoroughly. Like he he covers all those aspects. You know, he is an amazing Batman, and I think he he I think he's actually become the closest to nailing the Batman voice in a natural aspect because obviously. Um, the Batfleck one, he has a modular version, but obviously, I think this voice is way better than the uh, the Dark Knight um, voice. Totally. It, you can actually hear him, and you can actually feel, hear the distinction between Batman and Bruce Wayne's voice as well. You, it's, it's subtle, but you can hear the distinction. How do you guys feel about uh, Robert Pattinson? Um, a strange choice, in my opinion. He's um kind of he's come from that lineage of kind of awkward skinny teenage scene goth kids and he's got kind of that background as an actor but yeah if batman's supposed to be a bit more tough muscly as opposed to i mm, i don't know i don't know george clooney was better <laughs> controversial opinion <laughs> so I really liked I really liked uh, Robert Pattinson um, in the film. I thought it was really good. So I, I was so I will say there's a heck of a lot more Batman than there is uh, Bruce Wayne. So we don't quite uh, get to see as much range as maybe uh, Christian Bale does. But yeah, I thought his Batman was really good. I thought the direction they took it was great. And unlike Snyder's films, this Batman has the most retains the most interesting part of his character, which is his moral code of no no guns, don't kill anybody. So I found Robert Pattinson to be, you know, capturing the Batman and Bruce Wayne in a way that we haven't really seen before. And I think they've just nailed it because his whole thing is that he's like this troubled person who's struggling with like the past and using his you know, alias as Batman to like make amends with it with his own like pain and like to stop, you know, who killed his parents from ever killing anybody else's parents, sort of thing. And you see that a lot in this film where there's times where he's like conscious of like the innocence of children, let's say, and wants to be a a, a supportive figure in this world that people can look to. Um even if people hate him for it because he's not following the law, if that makes sense. Um, but he's also like, you know, going through the world in, in, in shadows constantly because he's neglecting his own responsibilities as a, as a Wayne. And I feel like the other films don't take that seriously enough. You kind of get a bit of it in the Christopher Nolan movies, but it's not, it doesn't feel as, as natural, I guess, to like go through that kind of struggling history with yourself but he i also don't have a problem with him not being like a super buff guy because i like the idea that batman could be anybody and it always felt like with the other movies it was like yeah you have to be a fucking hercules shaped person to to actually be considered a superhero i think also it takes consideration like he, he is supposed to be agile he's supposed to be like you know very quick and very mobile and i know in the comic books you know this whole description of like you know in over six way over six foot 220 pounds sort of thing and every you know huge hulking muscle but also this is still year two batman so he is still quite young and he is he is meant to be like you know in his maybe like around around 30 and he is supposed to be like you know still learning because as i said he is he is not a perfect batman in the film in the slightest and i feel Maybe as we go on, we might see more of that. Um, going on, the other characters, though, let's run through it. Uh, Zoe Kravitz's Catwoman, I thought, was 
great. I think it's almost her film just as much as Batman, to be honest. Like, I like the intertwining story, and I think she was uh, she was really great, which is awesome. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't remember the last time we saw a proper cat. Uh, well, Catwoman's appeared throughout. Uh, and I rises. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. She was pretty good. Um, I don't see why they shouldn't team up, but I guess she's a villain, so I guess that makes sense. But um... <laughs> well, to be fair, was, I mean, yeah, she's built. She's built for ninety. She's built for ninety villains, just like like straddles the line. I'm pretty sure she does work together with Batman quite a bit, but also sometimes finds herself on the opposite end. It's kind of like this kind of back and forth with her. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 always been like that case. It's like she she is like good at heart, but because of the way that she views the world, they'll always have that kind of dividing disagreement about how to go about getting justice and you know, what they consider is the right thing or not. I guess if you were going to put it on like a a D and D spectrum, it's like Batman's lawful good, and you know, Catwoman is like I guess chaotic good or maybe chaotic neutral, because she believes in doing the right thing even if it means doing something that's wrong. Mm. Yeah, no, I I definitely agree there. Now she was awesome, but I think we're going to get to like one of the main reasons like this movie just works, and that's Paul Dano as the Riddler, and he was just. He had range in this film. Like he had such good range. He was he was creep like at like at the beginning of this film there's a shot in this film when he first appears and it is creepy, like extremely creepy and it's like character is just he's just amazing in this film. What did you guys think about his costume? I loved it. So, I think the last iteration of the Riddler I've seen is Jim Carrey's uh green question mark jumpsuit so in comparison to that extremely different um yeah (laughs) it fits with the tone of the film so yes um again not what i was expecting but i I, effective kind of not one of the more effect it's mm, it's a hard comparison to make against some of the like other villains that have been in more recent previous films but this film, he's probably the right choice of villain and played it quite well. Yes. I think for me, what really sells this is that it makes me think a lot about like, um, like neo-Nazis and online uh, like hackers and that sort of thing. And they, they really nailed that kind of, ed- this sounds bad, but like edgelord vibe where like, you know, he, you know, they're a person who like is a bit of a sleuth and he's like, going through the internet every day and stirring shit up and i just really liked how he was like i'm gonna cover myself in leather and then like put a shrink wrap around my head and all that kinds of shit but i thought it was i thought it was an interesting way they went about it it was a bit strange just because i wasn't expecting it but uh at the same time i I think i think it was a really good way to kind of be like Here's our Riddler. What do you think? It's a dark movie. He's covered in black. <laughs> I mean, it was green, but yeah, definitely for the the way the film was shot, it was a lot darker than like what was seen. To be honest, uh, yeah, uh, James, how about yourself? Yeah, I loved his performance. Thought it was thought it was great. Again, nice gritty, realistic take on the character. I know there was talk about loan from his game. I know there was a lot of speculation before we knew what Nolan was going to choose film wise for his third film that he might go with uh, Riddler. But I'm glad we, which he didn't. 
but I'm glad we finally got a uh, gritty interpretation of the Riddler because I think it's one of those characters which fits that kind of interpretation. Uh, I know uh, running at the rest of the cast. Obviously, we have uh, Jeffrey Wright as uh, Commissioner Gordon, which I thought he thought I thought he was great. Um, I thought the fact like how he um, like interacts with Batman and how he isn't perfect himself, but also at the same time he, you you can see that he he does skirt the line himself at times, but he knows what side he is on and how he does view justice. And I feel that batman is his pull into the the light essentially in this film uh, definitely at points um andy circus as a uh, alfred pennyworth uh i thought though he isn't actually in the film as much as i expected he's actually yeah he's not he's probably only in like four or between four and six scenes yeah he was in very few scenes which i guess is fine because it's similar to the older um batman films with um unfortunately i can't remember the name off the top of my head but uh but with like batman and robin oh, the batman forever films. yeah i'm trying to remember what the actor's name was who played alfred but, oh um, yeah but in any sense uh it, it was they weren't that in the film either but i guess because it felt a bit sped up with with alfred this time where it was like yeah we know who alfred is so they're just kind of skim over what he's doing and i felt it was a bit like unjustified like we could have had more alfred but um you know especially as as, as the film goes but as, you know i i i thought it was he was he was good at what he what scenes he was in it was just kind of like i wish he was there more yeah i will say again i thought anti-circus was great in the role although i will say i don't i, I think the perfect alfred has already uh, appeared in the batman film I don't think you're going to get better from Michael Caine as Alfred. I don't know. I if you watch the um the Gotham TV show, I actually think uh Sean Pertwee, I believe his name is actually yeah, it's quite also, a good Alfred himself. Also, he was also good. Yeah. But to be fair, he has a long time to build that character, so you know that's how it just goes. Um, obviously we have other characters as well, but let's let's hop over to you know the actual uh you know directing creation side of this. I thought Matt Reeves did an amazing job with this film. And coming off like the previous films he's done, um, I just I thought we'll get we'll probably we'll definitely get into the spoiler talk. But I think we all agree like most of this film is just stunning and gorgeous, and how how it is like acted and portrayed and shot, and you know the choices in this film. You wouldn't think that this was shot in England. A lot of it, you d- I'll you'd... never get over that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fucking Turns Liverpool, Liverpool. <laughs> and Glasgow and Glasgow. Well, yeah. that I can understand because there's like sequences with like. Particularly gothic architecture, yeah. but man, I was just like Liverpool, like of all the places. Yeah, yeah they've actually yeah. done a lot of shooting here for that, and which is really awesome to be honest. Um, obviously, going off his previous films like you know Cloverfield, the Planet of the Apes movies, which I highly recommend. I, I, I say in most of these podcasts, but go watch those Planet of the Apes movies; they're so good. Uh, yeah, he just he just I feel he, he and he's already got this vision for the next two films. And he has said how he'd love to do Mr. Freeze for in the next film, which I thought think would be amazing. Uh, we'll get into the spoiler talk where I feel we could, well, where we feel we could go with this trilogy. To be honest, uh, I know he has spoke about like his worry of including fantastical elements, like because he was asked about Superman, and and he was like, well, I'd rather focus on this for now because he's created he's he has created probably close to the most realistic version. Of Batman, like, well, even though the Nolanverse did was quite realistic, he did skirt the line sometimes. 
Yeah, this is even more realistic, definitely. Yeah. As I say, you say it realistic, but uh, we, we, we'll we talk about why I disagree about that <laughs> later on. <laughs> oh, that's fair, yeah. Yeah, no, very realistic. Um, it's kind of a DIY-y, in, not in the actual filmmaking, but in terms of the characters and their kit. And I said, well, Riddler's Mask, for instance. I don't know if you've seen that in the trailers, but... Oh, yeah. He, he well, but even Batman. Even Batman, Batman. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he literally definitely. puts his suit together himself, and you can tell he puts himself suit together himself. And you know he builds the Batmobile himself. And we, uh, that's another thing we'll get into spoiler talk. But that Batmobile is fucking badass in this it film. It is so like, good. Like <laughs> I that, loved it. The shot, the shots in this film, just for that alone, is just amazing. Actually, going off for the shots though, I found out the director of photography for this film is a guy called Greg Frazier, and he is he has done Rogue One. He has done some of the Mandalorian. Uh, he has done a f- loads of other films, but he has also done Dune, and he's doing Dune Part Two. He was the director of photography for those, and the fact that I I, I think that guy deserves an Oscar alone for the, <laughs> like the last year alone coming out with Dune and this film. And I said, yeah, this film, it's there's a big red color palette in this film, pretty much throughout the entirety of this film. But how the sky, how the sky is shot, how the closest is some of the uh, the shots in this movie are just it's just it's just insane to be honest how how it actually goes i i honestly i rounding off um i think round off though before i think we should get into our spoiler talk because now because i think we're getting we're still in the line where we need to get into that but ratings for me i think i'm gonna have to relearn how to do my ratings because i did give uncharted <laughs> a seven i'm gonna have to give this film a nine i'm gonna have to give this a nine out of ten uh it's not a ten out of ten we'll talk about it in the spoiler review why it's not a ten out of ten because I do have some issues, and I think we all agree, and one definitely a few aspects of this film where it, it's not a ten out of ten. Uh, I think, yeah, for myself, yeah, the casting was amazing. I'm really looking forward to where they're going with this. Um, the cinematography was beautiful. I have crows on the color palette going forward. The ending of this film, like the true ending, I'm a bit uneven on to be honest. Uh, that's not the final reason I give it a te- not giving it a ten out of ten. But yeah, that's uh, that's my rating, nine out of ten. So I'm kind of hovering between eight and nine. And the reason I say that is because there were just some things in this film that didn't sit right with me um, in terms of like the story itself. But like you say, you know, absolutely amazingly shot score, really, really good. You know, I felt like uh, I was watching like a fucking amazing film for most of the part. But then that kind of last third for me was just a bit, different too different to what i was expecting and i think part of the problem as well is that when i think about this film it makes me want to watch joker again because that in my mind is like a 10 out of 10 gritty thriller and they did it so right and then this it was like it was so close to being right but not quite enough for me but i still rate it really highly just because it's you know like i say it's still amazing it's just not like you say perfect so I, I would agree with uh, Jordan's score between eight and nine, so I'll give her an eight point five. So again, <laughs> I, again, I loved it. The reason I might not give it maybe like a nine or higher, which I probably would give uh, the Nolan films, at least the first two, is again because Nolan is able to balance uh, the darkness with levity to make those films really entertaining and super rewatchable. Now, I probably will rewatch uh, for Batman, but I will say I don't think it is as rewatchable as Nolan's films. And 
that'd be one of the reasons why I'm going to um, drop it a little bit. Having said that, 8.5, I'd say is a very good score. And I do think it is a great film. It's all down to Fergus now, people. <laughs> well, uh, oh dear, no. Oh yeah, uh, I, oh god, here we go. Uh, six. Uh, oh which is my actually fucking in, god! In, in the same territory as the Uncharted movie, sadly, uh, for very different reasons. Um, I felt like I was playing catch up from the start, being dropped in at year two, trying to place where it was in the Batman timeline, who was where who was doing what, who the characters were supposed to be. Um, villains quite good, pacing really slow, good set pieces, a bit definitely too long. Um, as I said, the, the, the last, the tension building was just not there. Um, it was supposed to, you know, you're supposed to build to the last set piece and that's supposed to be the big dramatic end but it's like it ends and then, oh no, where do we put this set piece? Guess I'll put it at the end. Uh, worth watching. Problematic. Probably watch it on Netflix with a pause button. Um, <laughs> he's a terrible detective. I, yeah. He's young. <laughs> he's young. <laughs> he's learning. He did pretty well, I thought. There's some great scenes, which we'll probably talk to later, where he does show his detective skills off. Oh yeah. Uh, so yeah. because of Fergus's six and my nine, <laughs> um, this film averages out to a seven point five eight out of ten. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I gave Uncharted a seven, um, and you gave Uncharted a six or a seven. So actually, you might have yeah. rated Uncharted higher than this at one point. <laughs> yes. That that's <laughs> wow. I didn't. I just goes to show people like as soon as Fergus said that Scott, I was shocked. Like I did not expect a six when when he came in going. I expected maybe like a seven, seven and a half, not a six though. Jesus, okay. Yeah. Uh, well then, no, no, don't be sorry. It's your opinion. You know, we all value opinions here. You're wrong, but I mean, no, we all value opinions here. Uh, <laughs> no, no, that that's the good thing though. It's it's good. It's good to have you know differing views because it makes for more interesting conversation. But yes, so people, we give the film here a seven point five. Eight out of ten. I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a range review there. Just say eight. (laughs) It's an eight out of ten. (laughs) I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be fair. I'm gonna be fair. But that is the. That is the review, people. That is our non-spoiler talk. That is our non-spoiler talk. An illegal spy agency discovers the theft of a prototype weapon. Derek, codename Confused Llama, and his handler Frank, codename Majestic Vole, investigate the theft. A naive man with fanciful notions, Derek sets out on his inept journey to reclaim the weapon from villainous hands, unaware of the hidden tale following him. Enter the world of Confused Llama, a spy's tale, a short comedic spy thriller available on Amazon in paperback or Kindle. We are now going to be getting into the spoiler talk, so you've got five seconds to leave for... Three, two, one. Spoiler talk, people. The end of this film, people. For fuck's sake. I swear <laughs> to God. I'm angry again. Right, okay. Spo- again, spoilers, people. The end of this film does introduce, I did read it up, a proto-Joker. It's the proto, it's called, the, he's, Matt Reeves calls him the proto-Joker because Matt Reeves shot an earlier, an, a fil- a earlier scene that was going to be put into the film where Batman goes and visits him the proto joker in arkham for like a 
Hannibal Lecter style interview to figure out the Riddler. And it mm. would have been like, you know, a villain he would have met earlier, but they decided to cut that scene, which is probably going to be released later. But supposedly, like, the makeup on him in the film is, it is, do you remember how I said he has a bubbly skin? And yeah. you saw how his mouth was wider? I but straight I'm... up thought he was Two-Face when I saw that, because it was so dark. I was like, kind of looks like his face is missing. Like, that's how big the mouth was. <laughs> I, I do hope this is also sort of misdirection for a big surprise that the villain is actually Hush because so the Joker and Hush have quite a strong connection and then also there's the whole Bane Venom issue which I guess we're going to get to shortly yes I have him all that. of that would be really connected and really work and if he's going down the path of using villains that have not been in previous movies which would be a very sensible choice seeing as how good the villains in the previous movies were I would think that would be a very sensible choice. Trying to do Joker after, as you say, the 10 out of 10 Joker movie and Heath Ledger's Joker. It, uh, I mean, we, won't, we won't mention the other one. We won't mention the other Joker. Well, there have been other Jokers <laughs> since then. But yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. I mean, maybe I mean, what he could do is to hold off doing the Joker to a third film, but have a Joker in the second film, but not as the main villain. Well, I'm wondering if it's a case of like how he's like, you know, because at the end of this film, the Riddler's captured, you know, his plot is foiled. Batman has won the day. I mean, Gotham's fucked. But, um, you know, Batman has won the day and he's helped the city and Riddler's captured, which I liked about this film. I think we all agree. Killing the villains is the wrong opinion in my uh, for, for yep. these sorts of movies. Keeping them alive because they do build up because uh, it feels like they're building a relationship between the Riddler and the Joker. Yeah. And as it could go on Fergus's point. Maybe these villains are going into Arkham and then you could introduce Hugo Strange and then the Joker's manipulating Hugo Strange to build up like this cabal of villains for the final Batman film, which I think would be amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to see a um, film version of Hugo Strange. That's one character I think would fit in really well um, in this world. Honestly, I think they should just end this like trilogy like arkham knight where it's just like all the villains have like got territories in the city and batman has to just keep the city from completely falling and it's just like yeah. the conclusion of his story um going back to the batman himself though you know patson in this film you know he is violent as fuck like he does not give a shit if he caves your face in pretty much like and i do like the fact that he you know he does have this sort of like he does question himself at times, but then there are other times where he does not give a fuck what other people think. He just goes and rushes and he rushes ahead too fast. There's definitely there's definitely a lot of truth to that in that what I found really good about his portrayal was that when Batman is like in his like sense, is is in his zone, he 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 is like unwavering and like you say, he does not pull the punches. He like goes in for a punch and then he does two more just in case. But then like when you see him as Bruce Wayne, it's like he he's unsure of himself because it's out of his comfort zone. And that's kind of the cool thing about this is the fact that he's just like, you know, he he, he he's more at ease being Batman because it's more black and white. Whereas being bruce wayne it's a massive gray area for him well it's the case of um you know it, in this film it does finally show that bruce wayne is the mask like this this film shows like you know batman is the mask bruce wayne is the mask you know and i think it's the case of like whereas in the nolan films batman was the symbol and everything i think this film may be going the reverse to a degree because with the whole like 
the under the undergrowth. So basically, in this film, like the Waynes are portrayed as not clean cut, great people. They do have they have they have literal real world issues. They do make the Waynes realistic to a degree. Um. Yeah. I. The Waynes and Batman do seem to be the cause of their own problems in this film to a certain degree. Like, the, so this uh, renewal fund that all the villains start fighting over and becomes like the big punch up that kind of starts everything. There's no one like assigned someone to, you know, manage that. Is that not properly that, you know, legally declared or anything and then batman's so concentrating on being batman that he's ignored billions of pounds of charitable fundraising for orphans (laughs) to be batman without using any money apparently (laughs) and i just neglected the city that he's so heavily invested in that i yeah batman caused all of those problems in the yeah, I, I I totally see what you mean, and it's it's a bit strange how like I guess obviously with him being a child, maybe that issue started before he had a chance to really have a an investment, and they kind of allude to that sort of thing in um in the Nolan movies where like the the board of directors for the Wayne Corporation are like you know there are bad apples in there who are trying to steer it in a certain direction, but I liked the fact that like it's a harsh world that they're trying to portray like that the minute that the goodness is taken away i.e uh thomas wayne dying that all these corrupt people have like gone into the system and just been like okay let's what can we do with this money to benefit ourselves and maybe they just chipped away with it over time i don't imagine it was like next day okay where are we putting this money not in the kids like so It'd be interesting to like see uh, where they go from here in terms of the next few films because they've uprooted that kind of corruptness. But I'm sc- I'm kind of worried that because they've kind of solved some of the problems, uh, that it's going to take away some of the seriousness in the next films. But maybe that's what Penguin's here to do. Uh, so I think I think John is around this sense like you know this is year two year two of Batman. So Gotham is so seeded with corruption. He does he does say in this film like you know. He's having to concentrate his efforts in specific areas. He can't be everywhere at once, and he's learning. He's learning to improve, and you know, the city is starting to realize who he is. Like you know, minor criminals are seeing the bat symbol, and then they're looking in the shadows and going, "Oh hell no, I am fucking." You know, <laughs> I do not want someone to come out the um, you know, the shadows. Which I think this film does open with literally Batman narrating the film essentially. Well, after you know the red that cave someone's skull in um which i thought was a very great violent introduction um but then it goes to like this comic book panel-esque thing of like you know batman uh narrating the scenes of the, the city and you know how how he's you know taking charge of the city and you know how he's trying to police it himself and and then it introduces the trailer where he beats the living shit into those goons and i do like the fact that all the gangs in this film have like identities themselves already which i think is really awesome going off of uh, the point of like where they could go next because obviously batman's mum is an arkham and she, you know uh he comes from the waynes and then obviously with the villains going to the arkham asylum and then if we take other like games and narratives into the fashion you know 
Arkham is a very big thing in itself. And, you know, there's this whole family aspect there. And I do like the fact that in this movie, like, you know, the you know, his mum did, did have mental health issues. And, you know, they tried to cover it up because because the father was trying to protect his family and he didn't give a shit about, you know, the wealth. He just wanted to protect his family. But the problem was with that is that he made the wrong decision. And it shows like, you know, no one's clean cut. You can make mistakes, but it cost him his life, essentially. And that essentially the good the goodness of protecting your family caused the Batman to be born, really. Like, you know, it's the aspect of like, it was the aspect of love and protection that has created the Batman, which I think is really interesting. But going forward, because obviously the Waynes were the good, we don't hear much about the Arkham side, just the the fact she comes from a a family, you know, she comes from a very, like, very wealthy family. And I'm wondering how that's going to play in, because, you know, the Arkhams are the other pillar of this world. And obviously with Arkham Asylum dealing with the psychiatric side, which I'm wondering if that will play into, because obviously it's interesting that she had psychiatric issues and then they have Arkham Asylum. So it's very interesting that, that you know, both plays into it. And one of that side of the family has those issues. So Batman, a man running around in a bat costume, is there some slight psycho- psychological issues to Batman that he's using the sense of fear and everything and he's instilling it on other people? Uh, yes, almost certainly. Um, Batman is probably not quite the same level as the Joker, but on like say D and D alignment board, very different. But I, to solve a lot of these problems, Batman does just need to be actually Bruce Wayne and manage what he has to clean up the city, rather than being one man who punches some people on the subway and ignoring everything else. I but, agree. And dis- you know, I agree and disagree there because like. Yeah, you can do that, you know, in the face of the world, but you are still going to have people behind you trying to twist everything, trying to be like corrupt behind you, trying to manipulate the scenes. And that's where the Batman comes in. And it's like, oh, you're going to try. No, I'm going to put you down before you can do anything. Yeah, it's also worth noting, uh, just going back to one of your earlier points, Fergus, as well. Um, that obviously, there is some degree of which this is like a, a self-fulfilling problem. Uh, with the fact that it's all being done by like the Wayne Foundation and whatnot, but like or Wayne Enterprises, I should say. But I think part of the issue is that we're assuming that that's the only thing that Wayne Enterprises does, whereas they have all this other business going on with other projects, and maybe this was just one of those things because they kind of bring on in the uh, the Nolan films. Uh, the fact that like oh yeah they have this whole orphanage fund and they were like oh how come we stopped like funding these orphanages and it's like oh because there wasn't enough money like we didn't make any profits and that's where the profits would be going so i kind of like the idea that they brought that point back and that you know they were funding this orphanage program but then the company has kind of forgotten about the the virtuous things they were trying to do yeah, no, um, yeah, you're definitely right there. Um, I think, like, we will probably see more aspects of each, like, aspect of Wayne. I think, I think they will introduce Lucius Fox, their version of Lucius Fox in the next movie, because I think for Batman to become the Batman he, we all know from the video games and the comic books and everything, he needs that extra help. He needs that. He, yeah, he's been trying to do it all by himself, but, he, you know, Batman always needs to learn that he's not by himself. And they're obviously going to introduce Robin probably at the end of the next film. I bet that's what will happen. It will be a case of you'll meet this kid. And I know Robert Patton said he he does want a kid or a teenager to play the role 
And it's also Batman learning, you know, I think that's also where Batman gets his self-control from as well, because he's having to instill his wisdom on another person. But he's also needing to realize, like, you know, I can't be this, you know, because he does realize at the end of this film, like he needs to be more than vengeance. He needs to be like, as they call him in this entire film. They don't call him Batman. A lot of people do. They just call him vengeance for the entire film. So you mentioned earlier that you, you think that reason why I want to do Mr. Freeze. And you reckon that he might um, introduce Robin into the next film, but your in, your inference is that you think the third film would be where it would be Batman and Robin. Oh no! So my question is: Do you think the third film will be a remake of Batman and Robin? I don't want that at <laughs> yes. all in the slightest. Confirmed. No, no fucking. I way. totally do. <laughs> no, no, just no. Oh, why? Why? Uh, Fergus, yeah. No. no, it does. It, it will probably go in a slightly different direction. Uh, as you say, at the end of the film, he's. I say uh, he doesn't declare himself. He doesn't do the "I'm Batman" thing. He's like even even his "I'm Batman" lines are "I'm vengeance." So he's not really that comfortable with being, or at least you know, declaring that he is Batman. Um, and even at the fe- it, like the end of the film, he's losing the vengeance thing and becoming more like human humanitarian aid bat rather with the you know it's a flood he's you know fishing out kids and what have you picking his robin uh yes <laughs> almost certainly yes. oh that would be so dope if it's like the kid <laughs> it will be but um but yeah no just going to the whole thing with batman and vengeance i like that it was he is a concept like he is a, a driving force rather than he is a person or an entity um you know i think they, they kind of really capture that because i think part of the reason this works so well is because he's disassociating himself with being bruce wayne to the point where he's disassociating himself being human like and i thought that just worked so well with this because i've I've read a few articles where matt reese is talking about like his visions for this film and apparently he basically wanted this batman to be kind of like kurt cobain because kurt cobain struggled with um the fame and the image that he had on the outside which is this comparatively is being bruce wayne and then being himself outside of that and that being the batman in this and i just really like how you know he he's just brings these kind of vibes together to like create this you know new experience that i don't really think we've had before i was just gonna say uh the uh the nirvana soundtrack is uh quite prevalent throughout the film oh the yeah comparisons deliberately trying to be made there i think i didn't notice the music in this movie had a very how can I put it? There wasn't a lot of distinct music in this movie. It was maybe like four tracks, but then they like rearranged the music or they slowed it down and they, you know, there wasn't many like, you know, not like John Williams where there's like tons and tons of different unique tracks. This was a very, you know, you know, drawn out and everything at points. Um, but yeah, no. I, the Ave Maria stuff was definitely very deliberate towards the end. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, Nirvana and Ave Maria were the only two things that jumped out at me. And the the Ave Maria was deliberate the whole way through. But thing for me, thing for me is that with Ave Maria, as a that song has become so associated with creepy creepiness and death in films and anything. It's like whenever whenever you hear that song, 
you know something bad's going to happen. <laughs> that is fair to be fair. Uh, going off, going off that like the, the creepy aspect. Yeah, going back to Paul Dano as the Riddler. I know uh, Jordan was really looking forward to seeing Paul Dano in this film. To be honest, uh, what 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 are your more of your in depth thoughts about uh, the Riddler, Jordan? Uh, I mean, I I loved every minute of of, of his stuff. It was a bit weird towards the end because he kind of went from being like, you know, a maniac to being a bit too pathetic. Um, but I really, really liked how how he how he was portrayed in this film. And uh, you know, Paul Dano is is an amazing actor. But um, I think what really kind of sold it for me was that whole sequence where uh, they're literally like. Um, about to pick him up in the diner and then you just see him and he just it's just like so spot on for like the riddler um for me in terms of like his kind of demeanor and like how he goes from being like oh yeah you know i was just doing this and he gets his head slammed on a desk and then he's laughing because he knows that like you know they're not gonna understand his complexity i have to ask is he like, oh, is he getting sexual relief and point to this film? Because when he first, unre- like, when he, um, when he untapes at the beginning of the film, when he starts to tape that guy up, he, he does this, like, relief, essentially, like, as he's, like, going to tape. And then he, and then when he gets slammed onto the ground and then he's, like, been revealed, he's getting, he's, he's, like, exacerbating his voice. He's, like, heavy breath and everything. Like, he's, but he's happy about it. And I'm not going to lie. I kind of felt like a sexual undertone to him, like, like his power he had i, I don't know about that but <laughs> I, I just that's why I, that's why i saw like you know there, I, I don't there's know definitely why. a pleasure he's getting you know from and like a euphoria from succeeding in his endeavors and for him you know he because for him he's obviously like trying to solve this corruption that's in gotham and so when he does this in his mind righteous act of brutally murdering people and you know getting their own back i thought you know it was more like a relief of like oh i've i've done the next thing to stop corruption in this city i'm gonna bring all this shit to light um i don't necessarily think it's sexual but (laughs) i did think it was it like i said before it reminded me so much of like these kind of serial killer tendencies that you have with like i guess modern psychopaths um you know and it just felt so creepy and sinister i loved all of the surveillance stuff that they were doing even if it was a bit hard to watch because it was like moving around so fast but like the whole kind of secret spying thing that came with the riddler was really really good that show the parallels between the Riddler and Batman. Some they do have almost identical surveillance sequences in this film. Obviously, it goes in two completely different directions. But uh, I love the fact that also it's a small touch in the film, like the journals, how Batman documents everything he does, and then the Joker documents everything he well he documents everything. I love in this movie how um, the Batman records stuff like the eye contact eye lenses and how that like you know goes into the investigation aspect and. I'm hoping they don't. I'm thinking with this this version of the Batman out, they don't do the white eyes. Yeah, I was just gonna say, like, as I was saying to you guys yesterday after we left, like, I I feel like that was it was all very deliberate in in bringing those parallels where they're like they're both surveilling stuff and spying on stuff because of the way they've kind of done the uh, the kind of lighting and and colors in this film is that for me it looked like. Uh, you know like a, a a photo room like a dark room for 
the entirety of the whole movie everything's like blacklit <laughs> or 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 in red and people are just like watching each other and trying to gauge what that person's motives are there's a lot of questioning what's going on and i feel like that was it was just done really well going to um going to a different aspect of the film is the batmobile which we were talking about before like that that car's introduction in this movie is badass in my opinion like in the movie, you know, they go to this drug storage bay and, you know, the Batman's going to face up against the, the Penguin or, you know, Oswald at this point. Um, and he disappears and then you just see in the darkness, sort of like how it first appears in The Dark Knight, to be honest, with uh, the, the, with the, or the Batmobile and the, sorry, the Batmobile and the Batman begins where, you know, Gordon, Gordon does turn those Oswalds in this movie. And you just see the engine roar. And that I felt that when I was watching the film. I felt that engine start up. Like you see it going through the film, like him tinkering with his car and putting it together. And then when you first see it turn on, it feels like, oh, you've woken the beast now. And it's like, y- you're fucked. I, I fucking hated the fact that the car stalls in the movie. I thought that was so unnecessary. <laughs> um, like it was. I, I guess it's, you know, a bit of comic relief because the film is so uh, serious. But, like, I really liked the fact that it's, like, it was, like, yeah, it's building up this big, scary beast. But the problem for me with the car is that it reminds me too much of, like, you know, cars you'd have in, like, a destruction derby. <laughs> so, I mean, maybe that was their intention, but it just looked kind of strange. But it was new, so it was interesting. I think it's just that the power behind, like, he goes through concrete cylinders, in this film he does drive through them and then the one aspect i i was a bit iffy on like i will submit like as he's driving around he does drive up a, a convenient ramp as he's going through the fire which i was like okay that's fair you know that could happen but yeah yeah no it's very um the ramp was extremely convenient um but the cars yeah it fits into the whole sort of diy um visual sort of um stuff that comes throughout the film like people's masks people's kits um i do hope he does get an upgrade in future films um i don't think he's going to be turning into a bat bike or well he does have a bat bike actually uh, it's a separate thing i don't know if it does anything special i think um you know going go off the tech you know the bat, finish up with the batmobile uh i think that's where the lucius fox is going to come in the next film like you know it'll be a case of maybe I think midpoint in the film, like in the dark night or at the beginning of that film, he had to upgrade his suit. It had to be upgraded. He couldn't, you know, keep up anymore. And I was thinking about, you know, his costume in this movie and how it sort of feels like he's only actually wearing, like he cycles around the, in the city and like under the guise of Bruce Wayne with the motorcycle helmet on. But then when he reaches the scene, he changes into Batman and it, when I was looking at his outfit, I was thinking, is he just carrying like the top half of his armor and the cape in a bag? And because he does have like, quite a big rock sack. And yeah, going by another aspect of his film, the wingsuit. Mm. I I, li- I liked the wingsuit. Yeah, I really liked the wingsuit as well. I thought it was a it was it was the most realistic take on Batman flying, essentially trying to use uh, until he hits the uh, that bridge. Oh Which god, was... that sucks yeah. so much. Yeah. Not I felt the pain, but yeah, it was not realistic when he kind of gets home and he's like, "All good, guys." Thumbs up. <laughs> he goes, he goes to fly under an underpass for a bridge, but then his uh his suit gets caught. Oh no, his parachute gets caught uh on a bridge, and then he just like swings up and smacks his face in a um a bridge, and then onto a bus, and then onto the ground. 
yeah that that was my contention with this film and why i was kind of like this isn't as realistic as i'd like because there were so many times where he should have gotten severely injured and just didn't and you know there's the explosion in the face there's the getting hitting the underneath of the um the what's it called uh the bridge and then like him getting fucking shotgun blast to the stomach and like he obviously like his suit's bulletproof but i was kind of expecting you know him to kind of when he goes to meet like Celia Kyle just be literally like you know a bit more in pain than he was then it just felt a bit like you know he 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 was doing all this stuff and then suddenly he was like he gets incapacitated by the the most unrealistic thing and then um you know he does the whole venom shit and that annoyed the fuck out of me also also one thing the amount of, I know he's wearing bullet he's wearing um bulletproof armor and all that stuff but for amount of times the amount of bullets he takes and at close range and yet there is this unprotected part of his face you think <laughs> at least one bullet would go there and then re- they'd realize there's no body armor there let's try for a face so um you actually mentioned like the shotgun part i think we're going to get into like the final act of this film in a bit but just to cap off the first two thirds again people this film is sharp it's stunning to look at you could pause parts of this film when he's fighting or just like investigating it, it could look like you know a more gothic version of the comic book that was you know in everything mm. I think our biggest concern is the final hour almost of the movie, like which when it turns from this heavy detective noir, like creepy movie into a more standard superhero movie in it. But to be fair, I will say yes and no, because usually the city's fine afterwards in these films, whereas Jordan's going to Jordan's going to get onto the exact point where I know where he doesn't like the realistic take on this now. Would you like to go to the point you're about to mention? Because I know where you're going to go with this now. What the uh, the venom stuff or the or the just the fucking seawall? Like who built a city in a seawall? Like that's that's a horrible idea. Like even now, it's like there's only a few places on earth that actually have like a a serious body of water surrounding their city and everyone there is like this is the worst thing and we don't like living here because it's like it's because it's fraught with problems you'd think that they would not do that with this city it just seems really impractical so one one thing i did like about the film is you were mentioning about the whole um you know QAnon like boards mm. and all these people and uh, like that's how he got his men and like they actually do describe in the film how to buy those exact masks like go to the military surplus store mm. uh, they do describe how that is um i do like the fact that they all get come together at the end of the film that's how he builds his riddler army essentially and then the riddler dent technically does win to a degree he like he does he does cleanse gotham to a degree like he does wipe. Like, he's so upset he didn't kill enough people but his plan basically came to fruition <laughs> <laughs> One aspect of this film I didn't mention before we finish up with the fir- with finish up with the final third is I love the inter- interrogation scene because in the trailers it seems like the Riddler knows Batman is Bruce Wayne, but mm. they cut they cut that from the trailer and I thought it was in- amazing. Yeah, I it wouldn't I'd say it wouldn't be that hard, uh, would it be that hard to spot? I mean, he's not removing his makeup, and if you happen to hang around, you see Batman and Bruce Wayne with the Batman makeup maybe turns up. I mean, in fairness, Fergus, he, he's been a recluse, so probably nobody remembers what he looks like. <laughs> I mean, there were people who were like, that's Bruce Wayne, but like, they might not connect his like mouth to 
Batman just because he's nobody sees him enough to to really kind of be like, yeah, he's totally going to be this big tough guy. They see this, you know, skinny looking dude in a fucking suit. No, but he's not removing the eye makeup after he takes the mask off. So say you see a Bruce Wayne at a event, uh, say a funeral, and then Batman turns up and tries to save the day, and you're still hanging around, but then Bruce Wayne happens to be there, but with Batman's eye makeup. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't wear eye makeup, Bruce Wayne doesn't. He puts grease on his face to, you know, to uh, show his the, eyes. The, yeah, no, the black I also mask. like in this film, yeah. I like in this film how he kind of wears oversized clothes to a degree. He doesn't wear, like, very, hmm. you know, form-fitting clothes, so, like, I think it hides his like it does make him feel thinner. That is genuinely another thing that connects it to Kurt Cobain as well. Kurt Cobain did the exact same thing. He would wear like multiple layers, so he would appear bigger than he actually was because he was like essentially like anorexically thin because he couldn't really put on weight. So I would not be surprised if that was another way that Matt Reeves was trying to connect the characters together. But there was a lot of kind of like bomber jacket stuff you know, big, big shirts on, just, I don't know, I, I agree with you there, it's just like, it was like they were trying to make himself look bigger. Well, I actually think it's more a case, I actually think it's uh, the opposite to a degree, I think it's um, more, um, so Batman, he, Bat, Robert Pattinson isn't lanky in this film, he is more the side of, he is he is athletic, he is, you know, he's, he's, he's cut, he's athletic in that degree. I think the reason he wears his clothes is to hide, you know, how, in shape he is like you know mm. and and his sullen like hair down aspect and i guess that is the emo side of bruce wayne i'm hoping they kind of adjust that a little bit like he does so basically in in the previous films he trained up to be batman in these movies he trains up to be bruce wayne he trains up that side of him and we get more of the playboy side of batman to a degree maybe not too much but going off the final third though like basically the riddler sort of wins the degree he blows the dams he floods the entire city the final sequence takes place in like the like garden what what's what, what's it called in in new york oh madison square gardens yeah, yeah they have yeah they have like a madison square garden where the new mayor Gotham square gardens there. literally yeah. what it was called <laughs> oh, okay yeah cool and then like uh the riddler's army turns up in the rafters and like batman blows in for the roof, which I'm not gonna lie, I thought I was badass with the roof just blew apart and he came in. Maybe he didn't need to blow the entire roof. Um, because mm. he could just you know, it could have been very discreet. Um, but it's a sense of fear. My aspect of the final third is um and we'll get to I'm sure you guys will agree to it. Jordan actually you didn't nail it. Jordan, how did you describe the final third compared to the first two thirds? Well, it was like sorry, you mean the first two two thirds were like an actual thriller detective film and then it's like the last third is like Batman vs Superman. <laughs> Everything's going crazy. I, I think it's more the first what you're referring to. <laughs> it's it's directed by two different people. Right, yes. No, it does definitely feel that way. Um you know, it it went from being like, you know, David Fincher to fucking Michael Bay or some shit. <laughs> Something we do need to talk about in this, the lead up to this is Batman doesn't find the vital, very obvious clue that the the, the plot that the final act is going to happen. Batman is essentially a pawn of the Joker throughout. Like at no point does he question why he's getting these letters. He follows you mean, every you mean lead. The, the, the Joker. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. The Riddler. <laughs> 
it's, yeah. Yeah, but he, he plays the Joker's entire game and then doesn't find out. You, know, you generic villain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Riddler, sorry. Um, he plays the Riddler's entire game, doesn't question it, does everything, and then doesn't even doesn't even get some of the clues in the end, and then misses the final like thing that leads. He's it, the world's greatest detective. He's Carden. Yeah, he completely this, failed on detective. Right. So this film does prove that he is not yet yeah, that yet though, because even Jim Gordon is bad at detection. Because there's that that scene with the penguin with the the Spanish translation and the penguins calling them a fucking idiot because they don't know their Spanish correctly and that you know. Batman, if he was the world's greatest detective, he would know because he knows multiple languages and, you know, all that stuff. So it does show in this film that he is not perfect in any sense at this moment. I personally like the fact that they're not perfect. I thought it was actually more realistic that um, they're not these superhumans. I mean, like, the reason I like it because, you know why? I'm sick of the whole, do you know why he wins? Because I'm Batman. How come he wins? Because I'm Batman. This just proves, no, he's vengeance yeah. at the moment. He's not Batman. <laughs> but, like, you know... <laughs> So I'm going to do a little bit. Do you want to go back to your the third act, the last, the final act thing? Yeah, we'll let you come back to that. Yeah. Cool. And I do agree. I just want to put my two cents in that. I, I I agree. There was a massive tonal shift. Now I like the idea that there was something bigger going on, but I thought the blowing up the dams wasn't the way to, for that bigger thing to happen. It should have been more consistent with um, what was going on with the whole of the rest of the story. Now, I know it might be more obvious, but this is what I was thinking was going to happen before we found out what was going to happen. Is that I thought it would have been something like blowing up the GCPD because we've learned there's a lot of corrupt, they're corrupt. It should have been something which was in keeping with uh, destroying the corruption in the city, even if it was a horrific and ill-advised act. Um, I do agree. Like The film wasn't building towards anything, and then suddenly there was this giant set piece. Because I say Batman missed the oh no this is going to happen let's save the day kind of moment so there was a very jarring like oh no now everything's flooded wait there's a seawall wait there are vans wait there's enough people involved to get six vans to place them around the city that there was that was a lot of reveals of stuff that just had really been previously mentioned so the tension to build into that was non-existent yeah like. <sighs> The whole the whole seawall thing, you could completely remove that plot point from the film and you'd get the same outcome. All you'd need to do is be like, my final act is that I've got 30 fucking dudes to show up to this press conference thing with the new mayor and they're holding them all hostage. And that would have been more interesting than, than the whole, oh, we've also flooded the entire city. It's like, yeah... Batman saved, you know, the this this like five hundred people from a stadium. But think about like the thirty thousand people that have all just fucking wasted away, like like fucking water coming in, and it just felt like a, a non-win. It just they put it in just for the lols. I think um, this may may have been too dark for the film. But you say hostages, but I'm wondering the Riddler would not have wanted hostages at that point. They would have just gone in shooting, and I think that it would have been the case of race against time to get right? there. Yeah. Think about what you're saying, John. I 100% agree with you, actually. I mean, part of the whole of the last act is them trying to assassinate the mayor. So do exactly the same thing, but remove all of the sea coming in bullshit. 
and that's fine. You got you got you you got a potential set piece, but it's consistent with the whole narrative. Still, you don't you don't need the uh, seawall collapsing aspect of it. You could have actually had um, the garden blow up, like as you know, all the people are in this building, and then they have the explosive in the building, and then you know these people just these you know anarchists and they don't care about the destruction. Basically, have Batman trying to save as many people as he can while this building's starting to go up around him. So he's 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 having to he's having to like figure out. Oh, I have to do this and get this and fight this because I do like in the final act how he fights. Like he uses two grappling hooks to pull guys, and he goes over the edge. And you know he he's doing multiple fight techniques. And this is what I love about this film compared to the other ones. I know other people hate me for this, but the Nolan films he fights with elbows. In this films, he uses everything to fight, and I love it. Uh, so it'd be something similar to the Bane blows up the stadium uh, in Gotham City in the final. Who would agree? To a degree, yeah. but you know yeah. the the final like obviously a part of it would only be destroyed. But it's like you know. Some people are escaping. The maze still stuck there with the host, you know, the anarchist and everything. And Batman's having to go in. I do like how he comes in and like, you know, the Arkham games where he's like pulling people up and like he's doing all that. And yeah, just to slightly derail again, uh, this with this whole section. So I'm still really annoyed about this whole adrenaline thing, and I'm convinced that what it might be alluding to is is maybe something in future where they bring in Bane. But I just, I just, I just really don't get why they've had that sequence. Like, they could have just got rid of the Venom side of it or the adrenaline side of it, and had Gordon come and save them, because they built up that relationship between Batman and Gordon throughout the film, only for Gordon to just be running around aimlessly, not finding a ladder to go upstairs to help Selina Kyle and Batman. Instead, they were just like MacGuffin. Here's my, here's my get up quick juice to to fight the guy and it just felt really like okay why didn't this get used before like it wasn't in his back cave he was just like yeah i've just got this fucking shot in my pocket ginseng fucking shot boost <laughs> i do think maybe like if they hinted at the, in the earlier in the film like he was working on something like the, like the end results of him but something to preface it rather than just be like oh i've had this the entire time <laughs> i disagree on the gordon front and we spoke about this yesterday but it was the case for me it was a case of selena is sort of like his heart and film, like you know he, this is the person he's got the most connection with and then he he felt like he was going to lose this person like his parents so his rage just went over the top he became so angry he so became so blood raged that he just he was pummeling on that guy so much he knew he went further than any time before in the film and he wasn't going to stop gordon turning up because in in earlier parts of the film gordon is the one who restrains him when he's like fighting people he does restrain him and pull him back this is the part of the film where Gordon turns up and he's the one to restrain Batman from going any further. He does bring him back. And I think like he could just turn up and do like the saving and everything. But I think the case of like him turning up and saving him from going too far. So it's not a physical save, it's more of a his 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 um his uh his what do you call it? His not his conscience, but his um Mor- you know, his, morality. <laughs> mor- his morality, yeah, his morality basically what as james said earlier the snyder films he kills people whereas in this film i felt he was like he was going to kill that guy in the end of this film because he was going into that guy's face and it was only when gordon turned up because selena couldn't stop him he he was literally going into him it was only when gordon turned up and he heard gordon's voice that he literally stopped and that's when he like came back but this is the other thing about it and maybe this is a controversial opinion but i really feel like the connection between batman and gordon 
was stronger than the relationship he had with Selena Kyle. <laughs> like, it just felt like it was there because he has to like her. Like, if that makes sense. And it didn't really feel that there was a lot built up there. Are but, you saying that Batman should have got with Joe Gordon instead of Catwoman? No, but, <laughs> but I just I just feel like that it was it there wasn't enough payoff for me when it came to Batman and Gordon. Like I get what you're trying to say, Nate, but like I just felt like there was ways you could go about that scene without putting in a plot device. Because like I would have preferred, I I probably would have actually preferred him just getting up on his own, and like he is so determined to save her that he he like overcomes his like winding crippling injury but it just felt weird to have the 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 adrenaline shot because immediately after like that happens he then calms down immediately it didn't i didn't really feel that you know he's being restrained he didn't like go into like from hyperventilating into like being normal it was oh okay i'll stop now it just felt really yeah. it just felt so out of place no, so I think you are right too, because I know other people have questioned what is in that shot, because that shot was specifically green, mm-hmm. which is obviously associated with Venom, and I'm what I I I think Bane would be a good villain to go up against. Uh, I don't want it in the third film because it'll just be Batman, you know, you know, right? Dark Knight Rises at the end, but I do think like Bane would be a good villain because obviously I do think breaking him at some point would be good to do a more better version than how they did in the Nolan films, in my opinion. But I just think, yeah, I think it could be Venom. I'm, it, it could be an early iteration of that. Like maybe Wayne Tech has does have this adrenaline military technology that does get stolen and everything, and that's how it comes about, which would be awesome to do. Mm. It's it's good to have it's good it is good to have different views on that though. To be fair, I think though my biggest concern with the final act, apart from the water, is how like fuzzy it looks. Like, when he was fighting, it didn't look foggy, it looked fuzzy. Like, when he was fighting, like, I don't feel like it was just the screen we were viewing, for me, personally, but it didn't, it didn't, it looked, it looked like, you know, there was bl- a lot of blur going on, especially when he was, like, hanging over the water, like, there was, like, I know the water's rushing and everything, but I've seen other films where the water's a lot clearer when the water's rushing in and stuff like that, and I'm just wondering, like, maybe when it got to that part Warner Brothers were like oh we need this big set piece and then they were like trying to figure that part out and then I don't know just yeah I just and the final end of the movie where he just ends on him cycling away I kind of wish we kind of had him you know going to find like maybe maybe cycle back to the start of the film where he's in the shadows again sort of thing like I actually would have preferred that like it becomes a full loop of that character but I think we all agree, like, the final third is the weakest part of mm. the film. Um, it was great. Say it's the weakest part. I still really enjoyed it because it did feel like an Arkham game. It did feel like, you know, he's on top of the rafters. He's swinging around. You know, he's using his gadgets. He, I love the fact that the, uh, his his bat symbol is a knife in this movie. You know, it, it is it is a tool. It is a, it is a tool to use. The that, that, that little boy appears so much in this film, which is just... I guess it is narratively fair to be there because he is the previous mayor's son and, like, you know, there is reason for him to be there. It won't be, like, the new Robin. It would be hilarious if it was. But And then, as you said, who was it, it said he was the humanitarian Batman now? Yeah, I, I feel that's definitely how it ended with the, you know, lifting children out of floods and stuff. I think that was his conclusion as well. 
I did like they stuck around though, because in a lot of other superhero films, they just leave. <laughs> they just go. They just go. You know, Avengers and all this. You know, all these cities are destroyed, and they just go away. Whereas in this movie, Batman sticks around to help people, and also he builds the trust of the city. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of okay with it panning out that way because it, I guess, alludes to the fact that he's got to, you know, use his privilege to start actually helping people again, and that's the benefit of being Bruce Wayne and Batman, as opposed to neglecting one and being the other. Um, you know, perhaps in the second film, he'll have a bit more of like a, you know, philanthropy side of things where he's actually helping the world in some way or another in the same way that they do in, in the, um, in Batman Begins and Dark Knight. Wondering that's how, that, I think that's how they will introduce uh, Dick Grayson. It will be through that. Like, it does bring the whole orphanage aspect like it was run down. And then, you know, he does meet Dick Grayson through, like, you know, the Flying Graysons in the circus. Um, I don't know if you caught this, but uh, New Alfred did mention his history in the circus. Which mm. I, I think there's an awful lot of sequel baiting in this movie. Like, there's a lot of stuff that could very, very much feed into a sequel. I mean, I'd things that I'd love. I'd love to see a, a teenager playing Robin, you know, and just seeing like you know the struggles of like also the realization that Batman is teaching a teenager to go out in the streets to fight crime. It's you know, showing the realistic portrayals of that, and maybe actually having a time skip, like you know, mm-hmm. don't have just like you know have him as Robin, and then just like through the entire film, have like maybe a six to year time skip during the course of the film of training up this character like you know they haven't done it in the batman films before it's always been over two three days or a week or something it's never been over an extended period of time and it would be good like in the next film maybe like skip till maybe like year six year five six batman because he needs i think he needs a few more years of solo batman first and then introduce dick grayson after being about six or seven years Batman, then skip to maybe 10 years. So like he's training up. So he meets Dick Grayson, he adopts him. And then he, you know, first part, because if there's another three hour film, you can easily have a time skip of like three years in a film and training up to be that character. And, you know, he also maybe Batman is conflicted of him being Robin. And, you know, he, but, you know, the time skip from a 13 year old to a 16 year old or, you know, 15 year old to an 18 year old, so it does show him becoming that character. He does show, like, you know, he is determined to be. Because also, Dick Grayson in the comic books, he doesn't want to be Batman. Like, he 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 is the better version. Bruce Wayne sees Dick Grayson as the better version of him. Like, he sees, like, him as the Batman without all the anger and everything. And, yeah, just, I don't know, just uh, that'd be an interesting way to go, to be honest. But this film is definitely getting a sequel. It's, it, it, there's it's no doubt about it. Yeah. I mean, well, he says he has it planned, but it's not been confirmed as a trilogy yet. They've actually, which I'm really frustrated about. I think they should have just done a fucking avatar and just go like, have three films, just do it, just film them. <laughs> yeah, the, so I think that does come through in the movie quite a lot. There's a lot of sequel baiting, but there are also a lot of points where you think they're going to end it at one film, like the potential death of Alfred being one of the major ones but there were a couple of others like you mean about the whole bruce wayne being revealed as batman thing which caught us everyone off guard for like a good minute uh yes i thought i thought it was hilarious like like basically in the movie the riddler's like you know going on about bruce wayne and batman's like fuck he you know i'm on camera and then he goes like yes we need we need to get him and then it's realizing oh shit he doesn't actually know i'm standing right in front of him 
Mm. And then I like how the Riddler's going, you're not as smart as I thought. And Batman's just going, <laughs> back at you, buddy. Like, <laughs> like you know, I do, I do find that aspect hilarious. But yes, um, so we at NMI have given this film a 7.5 out of 10, Fergus. Uh, and... <laughs> Uh, definitely go see the film though people if i've definitely filmed it it's a film to go watch uh but that's it people that is our batman review i think we all can uh, say it was a it was a great film for some of us an okay film for others you know we enjoyed it but you know there are aspects we didn't enjoy uh it was a visually stunning film for the most part i think we can all agree on that but yes mm-hmm. uh so obviously thank you for joining us for that today if you have any questions or queries feel free to uh, feel, feel free to email us at nmi podcast at outlook.com that's nmi podcast at outlook.com give us your differing opinions on the batman or where you maybe like to see it go next just to finish on that point i don't i'm sick of the joker i don't care about him anymore please <laughs> please move away from him we didn't come back to that that much but yeah uh so if you'd like to follow us on twitter or instagram at nmi cast that's at nmi cast for twitter and instagram uh find us on spotify itunes and youtube that's Spotify, iTunes, and YouTube at NMI dash when you need more info. That's NMI dash when you need more info. Uh, please give us a like or a rating over there. Uh, please join us next week. Uh, oh, sorry, Friday, because we're, we're currently recording this on Sunday. But please <laughs> join us Friday for our favorite gaming experiences we've always enjoyed. You know, we were going to do one, as mentioned in the last podcast, but we figured we'd, we'd do a few, you know, because you can never just have one major gaming, major gaming experience that you love. So yes, I've been your host, Nate. Thank you, f- thank you to Fergus, Jordan, and James for joining me today. Cheers! Thank you for having me. Yeah, cheers. Uh, I've been your host, and uh, please stay safe, everyone. And we will see you on Friday. Bye, bye, everyone. Huzzah! Cool.